cup of tea towels, further home improvements, bringing the home into the modern era, but losing something on the way. My father was never happier than when he was improving the home or garden, and he didn't rest on his laurels after the window replacements and the central heating. As we had a car, the house had a major problem, and that was that there was no drive and no garage. The house was a semi, and our side, back door, faced the neighbours. They were the Wynn family and were very tolerant and friendly. There was a narrow, stepped footpath to the door from the road, and it was lined with a row of trees, but the space was wide enough for a drive. My father wasn't going to pay someone to do the hard labour, and so he set about removing the trees himself. This was back-breaking work and took him a long time of digging, chopping and sweating. My father had his first heart attack at 37, and my mother always blamed this on him digging out the drive. There was one task he couldn't do, and that meant paying for professionals. The drive needed a foundation and tarmac laying, and they had front gates fitted. This was done with efficiency, and almost 60 years later the gates are still there. My brother and I were fascinated by the transformation and I loved the smell of tarmac. It looked wonderful, smooth, jet black and with marble chips giving it a certain finesse. I think the garage was built at the same time and that was a prefab concrete building with what was probably an asbestos roof. It had two outward swinging doors. After giving it the obligatory day or two for the surface to finally set, the day of judgment arrived and my father was to drive his car up the drive. I think this would have been either the Ford Anglia or the Cortina. This proved a bit of a challenge as the driveway was only wide enough for the car and the gates were narrower still. To add to the challenge, the kerb hadn't been lowered and so it was a good five inches for the tyres to climb, which took some revving, but brakes needed to be immediately applied so that the width of the gates could be managed. There really were only three or four inches on either side of the mirrors. The car then had to be driven at speed to get it up the steep drive. My father managed it, just, and it took pride of place alongside the back door. When it came to reversing it out, this became another challenge, but again he managed it the next morning as he went to work. When he returned he came armed with two wooden wedges that he'd made at work. And these fitted against the kerb and made it much easier. In time, they had the kerb lowered, which made it easier again, and my mother and I both drove cars up and down with only one minor scrape on the gatepost. My mother once bought a Fiat 500, and she thought that would be easier, but the slope of the drive proved too challenging, and so she traded it in for a Morris Minor. Inside the house, my father was still keen to make improvements, the ceilings were cracked in places, and so he set about installing polystyrene ceiling tiles. These had the advantage of insulating the ceiling, reducing the sound from above, but they were highly inflammable. If they caught fire, they dripped burning, sticky plastic onto the victims in the style of napalm and produced toxic fumes. They were cut using a large battery and a thin wire filament that melted a line through the tiles. Thin layers of polystyrene were also sometimes stuck to the walls and then papered over to add insulation, which increased the fire hazard to unimaginable lengths. 
Luckily, my father didn't take that route. He also continued his cupboard making and built fitted wardrobes and dressing tables in the bedrooms. He did a good job and they are probably still in the house. But the box bedroom that my older brother had was plagued by damp. This was partly a result of the central heating only being downstairs. Overnight, pools of condensation would collect on the window sills, and it was a daily ritual to go with a sponge and jug and soak it all up. It was possible to collect two pints of water on a particularly cold morning. This wasn't helped at the time by my mother drying the washing on the central heating radiators, much to my father's horror. Cavity wall insulation and double glazing have meant this is no longer common. My mother's big bugbear was the kitchen. It was a tiny kitchen which we could do little about, but there was just room for a cooker, a sink and not much else. But there was a pantry adjacent to the coal store under the stairs. There was a pulley that was used for drying clothes, but when in use it made the space even more cramped. The pulley was a framework of slats and clothes could be hung over them to dry from the heat in the kitchen. It was connected with thin ropes to two pulleys and by pulling the cords it could be raised to the ceiling and then the cords could be tied around a cleat on the wall. The arrival of the central heating meant washing in winter was removed from the kitchen which made it more spacious. I remember a new cooker being bought and fitted and I believe a new sink unit but it was remarkably cramped, and when a twin-tub washing machine arrived, it became even more so. My mother used laundrettes for a while, but the twin-tub made life much easier. This was the period when labour-saving devices were all the rage, electric irons, electric washing machines, vacuums replacing the Bex Bissell hand sweeper, toasters, and probably best of all, fridges. Our first fridge was second-hand from a friend of my mother's. My father collected it and brought it home, but he made the mistake of tipping it on its side and not allowing it to stand for several hours to allow the coolant to flow back to the bottom. The result was it never worked very well and the little freezer compartment never froze. The fridge was quite large. My father had to find a place for it and so he removed the pantry door and the lower shelves so that it could fit in. It just squeezed in and we'd had it only a few months before a new one was bought. Now, the arrival of a fridge meant that food could be kept, and so shopping only needed to be done once or twice a week. It also meant that frozen food could be stored for longer periods. This was the start of my mother's love of frozen food. Fish fingers became a regular. Frozen fish pieces and frozen chips took over our lives, we had them so often that I've often said that I grew up thinking fish had hands, as all we ate were fish fingers. This is a wild exaggeration, but my mother worked full time, and with three boys and a husband to feed, speed and ease were high on her priority. The best days for her were when Dad would bring home fish and chips, and all she had to do was make some tea and butter the bread. I can't say that my brothers and I did a great deal to help, which is dreadfully sexist but my wife suffered the same with four boys. I'm sure my mum and wife would have longed for at least one girl, but I probably shouldn't write that nowadays. My father was still into improving the house. I should have mentioned last week, but when he changed the windows and removed the picture rail, he also removed the large wooden pelmets and fitted modern curtain tracks made of plastic. 
Again, with the removal of the stained glass, this brightened up the house. Me and my brothers played with the old pelmets while they were stored outside. We thought it was great. He next set about creating flush doors by adding a panel of hardboard that covered the panelling on the doors. He chamfered the edges and rounded the corners, and they looked good at the time. I'm sure that many people have removed these since and enjoyed the older quality door features. They were beautifully turned brass door handles and locks, but they were destined for the scrap heap. He replaced them with modern plastic and metal ones and painted the doors gloss brilliant white with Dulux enamel. He also wallpapered the walls. I remember once it was a light green bamboo pattern paper and it looked quite good for a while. I think we also had a maroon flock wallpaper once and I really liked it. After my father had his second heart attack, I think they wanted to make the house easier to manage and thus began the age of wood chip and anod lipter. This was a thick paper and in the case of wood chip didn't require matching, it was easy to apply but then had to be painted over. This innovation came with a new tool, the paint roller. This made the painting a much quicker process. The other advantage was that in the future the paper didn't need replacing but could be just painted over. Now my father was like Henry Ford and that was we could have any colour we liked. But unlike Mr Ford, our only choice was brilliant white. The entire house shone with a white sheen that was dazzling. The ceiling and walls hurt the eyes with their brightness. And the only contrast was the highly patterned Axminster carpets. My father and mother loved it. Or they did until three boys left dirty hand marks on the walls and doors. It was the doors that caused the most problems for us and Dad. The gloss paint took an age to dry. The chemical fumes filled the house, stung the eyes and nose, but he painstakingly produced an excellent smooth finish, which somehow we couldn't help but leave our handprints on. My father used to go bonkers and then undid the damage with a few brush strokes. A cloth with turpentine on would remove the evidence of which one had been the culprit. If my mother caught us first, she would try and remove the evidence and hope that my father wouldn't notice. In truth, he had a special talent and never failed to see what someone had done to spoil his life's work. To be fair to him, as an adult with four small boys, I understand the frustration of having your decorating ruined. I used to say when my boys were little that they followed me around as I decorated, ruining the bits I'd finished. I guess it's a generational lament. I must say that my parents' generation was not unique in questionable home improvement choices. With our first houses, we made some dubious decisions. Stick-down floor tiles, Artex ceilings, often containing asbestos, avocado bathrooms, mosaic tiles and others spring to mind. Poor choices are a generation's prerogative. And if one wants evidence, then think back to our fashion choices. Happy days. If you enjoy my stories, then you might like to know that there are two books available. The Cup of Tea Tales, The Early Years, and Another Cup of Tea, The Teenage Years, are available on Amazon and also on Kindle.